Welcome to God's Signs, a ministry of Deaf Bible Society of Arlington, Texas, with your host, president, and CEO of the Society, J.R. Bucklew. I'm Marshall Lawrence. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes about transformation. The English Standard Version puts it this way, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. An apt starting point for our journey today, as you'll soon see. What do you have for us today, JR? I get to uh, have a conversation with someone who's become a dear friend in the movement. You've heard us talk over the last few weeks about sign language Bible translation. Well, of course, Bible translation, that movement, is so much larger than just sign languages and what we've been talking about. And that's not to diminish the significance of what we want you to be aware of. You know, we've mentioned, you know, there are over 400 different sign languages around the world, and many have yet to start any kind of work in deaf ministry, not to mention the translation of the Bible into the local sign language. But it's so funny when I think about the broader movement, I think back to one of the fathers in the faith, uh, someone who... I've really come to admire William Cameron Townsend, also went by the name Uncle Cam, who founded SIL, the Summer Institute of Linguistics, who went on to found Wycliffe Bible Translators, who started JARS that was helping people with aviation and transportation and, and technology services. When he went to the Americas as a young guy, uh, he was there to be a Bible salesman. He was there to sell the Bible in Spanish. And he started to come across people who, um, well, didn't speak Spanish. And he thought, well, how are they supposed to engage with the Bible? So he started to pull experts in the field and ministry to start talking about this need for Bible translation. And at that time, they made a declaration. Here's what they said. They said, okay, we have big vision. We have a big plan. Uh, we want to see God's word translated in all of the world's 500 languages. Well, of course, if you know anything about languages today, that number has grown exponentially from 500. We're talking over 7,000 languages around the world, not including dialects. But at the time, that's what they knew, and they had big vision. They said, we're going to do that. So sometimes... I feel like where we're at in the sign language movement is very similar to where Uncle Cam was, where we're going, hey, you know what? The more than 400 sign languages in the world uh, need a Bible. But with those 400, uh, the need's great. But in my opportunities, in the opportunities I've had to work in the broader movement of Bible translation, I've been able to connect with many wonderful people. And as I mentioned, today I get to uh, have a conversation with someone who's become a dear friend in the movement, who has become a friend of the Illuminations movement. If you're not familiar with that, I'd encourage you, go visit illuminations.bible and see what is happening in the world of Bible translation. You'll get to read about things happening not only in sign language, but in spoken language, and see how organizations are coming together to make his name great among the nations because his word being made available to people in a language they can access, a language they understand. And today I get to have uh, David Bowden on with us. David, I'm super excited 
that you're here to talk today. Yeah, I'm super glad to be here. It's, uh, you know, you your ministry, Spoken Gospel, um, uh, very popular when it comes to ministry and spoken word and poetry. It might not seem like there's a lot of overlap with what we're doing in <laughs> deaf ministry, um, but maybe you take a minute, just tell us a little more about yourself. What What is the ministry that you're in, and how did you how did you get involved in that? How did you get yeah, started? Yeah, sure. So um, for the last 12 years, I've been doing something called spoken word poetry, which um, luckily now way more people are familiar with versus when I started uh, 12 years ago. And um, and so if you've ever heard it, it's kind of like a, a monologue. Um, I tend to do mine more rhythmic and rhyming, but there's a whole bunch of different styles out there. And so you're right, it kind of seems strange to match up uh, spoken word poetry, which is an auditory live experience usually and match that with a deaf ministry. <laughs> but um, right. but what we're trying to do, um, I think, is so important that we need to hit anybody who's got a heart. <laughs> and, mm. uh, and so uh, what we're doing is we are making spoken word poetry videos introducing every single book of the Bible right now. Uh, because our um, our mission statement as an organization is to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture in every corner of the world. And uh, we do that for a very specific reason. It's because we believe that Jesus and his gospel are in all of Scripture, and that it's only whenever we see Jesus in a text of Scripture that we truly understand its full meaning and we see its full glory. Mm-hmm. And so we consider ourselves a Bible engagement organization, where we're just trying to help people engage with the Bible in a new way, uh, which is a very old way, and it's just to get them to see the glory of Jesus in every page of Scripture. How did you get involved in spoken word? Mm-hmm. What, what was your entry to that? Yeah, so I was getting my undergrad in Bible and biblical languages and uh, took a road trip from Oklahoma City to Chicago, uh, as one does, skipping class for a day or two. <laughs> and I went to go see um, like a rap rock band in Chicago that I really wanted to see. And opening up for them was a spoken word group out of New York City. And they uh, were a secular group. And, but, but I'd never heard anything like that before. And so immediately, um, I just felt like God was saying to me, this is the tool I want you to use to speak to my church. So on the car ride home, uh, I wanted to write a poem about um, ignorance and information and how the cure to ignorance is to get informed. So mm-hmm. not, not a super deep subject or anything. And I thought I would be really clever and make every nearly every word of the poem begin with the letter I. So I, you know, ignorance, information, all those letters. And I mean, it was just impossible to listen to. It was so bad. (laughs) But I found a little um, open mic night in Oklahoma City and would go there every Wednesday night and perform a new piece of poetry that I would memorize. A secular environment. It was a secular environment, yep. So I was usually the only Christian. And, uh, but that's where I cut my teeth and learned what a good poem was and a bad poem was and mm. uh, did that for a couple of years before starting to do it professionally, which was always unexpected, but I love doing it. What did that look like for you? What was your, what was the moment um, or uh, what was your first opportunity that kind of took you from <laughs> this open mic night right. to, as you said, the sort of professional ministry? Yeah. So I was doing a small charity event for clean water on the campus of my college. And, um, there was only like 30 people there 
and uh, I was performing my first set of poetry. So like five or six poems memorized, ready to go. And I didn't know it, but there was a guy who books a conference there for um, Church of Christ kids. Mm -hmm. And um, he came up to me afterwards and asked if I want to be a part of it. And I was like, oh, sure, yeah. And he was like, "Uh, will you write a poem for the Lord's Supper? And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about being commissioned to write poetry. That's cool. And he's like, and I'll pay you. And, (laughs) And I'm like, wait, you can get paid to do poetry? That makes no sense. So, but I didn't know anything about this conference, and um, apparently there's 18,000 students that go to it. And so my first gig was, and it's those that number split up between two different cities, mm-hmm. but between the two uh, two cities, 18,000 18, students was my first gig for your first commissioned <laughs> yep. poem on the Lord's Supper. It was terrifying. Yeah, how'd it go? It was great. Yeah. I, I I definitely not my best thing I've ever written, but. God used it, and uh, people still talk about that poem today from that conference. So it's funny that things that stick in people's brains. When was your first um, writing project? Oh, man. Like, what do you mean, writing project? Well, you have now, was it three uh, titles published I've as got, far as books? Yeah, I've got one poetry book yeah. that was self-published, and then uh, I published two through Thomas Nelson. So the first one was, I think, 2016, right. When God Isn't There. And then 2018, um, Rewire Your Heart, or was that 2019? I can't remember. 18, I believe. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, (laughs) uh, For When God Isn't There, Mm -hmm. uh, what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, I was, uh, my wife and I were living in the Philippines uh, working with a nonprofit I helped start called Give a Goat. And we were giving goats to poor families. And um, I was reading John 6, and Jesus multiplies the bread. And then the people come and try to make him king by force. And he withdraws into the mountains by Mm. himself to pray. And I just felt this question impress upon me, which was, when we try to make God into something he's not, does he withdraw from us? Mm. Is, Is one of the reasons why so many people feel far from God is because we aren't presenting them with the true God of the Bible. And I was like, oh, that's a disturbing question. And so it led me on a, on a, like a, just a research journey to study the absence of God throughout the Bible. And um, I ended up getting way far away from that original hypothesis and towards something far more biblical. But it was the start of a journey that I was like, I wonder what the Bible has to say about God's absence. And turns out it says a lot about it. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to provide some good vocabulary for people on how to talk about God's absence and what the solution to uh, the solution to it is, which is ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. But um, it, it was a really fun book to work on. Yeah. And then when did you start to um, bring together the pieces for what is today spoken gospel? Yeah. The ministry. So, I mean, I would say from <laughs> from a very early age, I mean, everything from my mom said I could memorize a song after listening to it once. So, like, God's been doing stuff my whole life to bring this together. But then, you know, 12 years of doing spoken word poetry, mm-hmm. uh, eight years in the Bible translation uh, world with uh, illuminations and uh, now working with you guys with Deaf Bible and all this stuff. Uh, and then, you know, getting my undergrad and master's degree in theology and and then about five years studying what is a Christocentric hermeneutic. So mm-hmm. basically, how do we read the Bible to see that um, it's all about Jesus? Right. You know, and so uh, all those things kind of came together um, at Illuminations in DC in 2017. And um, uh, a buddy of all, both of ours, John Reinhardt, who runs Gospel Patrons out of California, right. he just leaned into me and just started 
man, just prophetically leaned into me and was like, man, what are you doing with your gift? You know, and mm. I was like, back off, man. I'm <laughs> writing books and stuff. And he's like, no, I don't care about that. I'm busy what with you my do- gift. What are you doing? And, yeah. and that led me on a search to fast and pray. And God was like, look, I've been putting all these things together and it's culminating in this thing called spoken gospel. And I want you to use your gift of spoken word poetry to show my church how the Bible's all about my son, Jesus. And mm. so that's where it all came together. Well, it's amazing. At that same event, I don't know if you remember, we were standing in the, the lobby. Oh, I definitely remember. When I tell the story, this is part of the story it, it, I tell. It's, you know, I, and, I, and I don't even remember how we started the conversation. I came up, you were, you were standing I was, there with John. I was walking down to the lobby, and John called me over, and yeah. we'd been trying to find time to meet. Yeah. And he called and then, me over. And, and then you I interrupted. There. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then I interrupt your, your conversation, and it's like, you know, getting to know you guys. And I was like, you know... Man, and, and John kind of did the same thing with me. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's crazy. And I'm like, what are you doing? Do you know how hard this is? <laughs> right. Like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm trying to do everything. I can't, no, no, yeah. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, and I and I remember us just, we had a little, uh, an opportunity. We were all praying together. Yeah, we like I, laid hands on you right in front of the Ritz-Carlton check-in desk. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, and it was in D.C., so was, I'm sure there was a lot of people like, what's going on? These guys. I love that. You know, the, one of them sounds like he's from Texas and the other, you know, he, but he's from California. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, but we were we were praying there because uh, it's it's a real thing. Because mm-hmm. certainly one of the things I was going to ask you is about these this, uh, this Christocentric hermeneutic we mm-hmm. were talking about earlier. Uh, you, you must have felt... A really pressing need, right? For this, what were you seeing in ministry? Because it's 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 bigger than spoken word, big time. Yeah. What were you seeing that really uh, compelled you to want to focus in on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge question because it's kind of like, why does our whole ministry exist? But <laughs> um, I mean, so there's there's two basic reasons. One is more practical. The other is more theological. And so the practical answer is. I don't think people will engage with their Bibles in an, a passionate and transformative way until they begin to see Jesus in all of Scripture. Mm. Um, and so I think a lot of people feel bored, tired, confused, angry, whatever you will, with their Bibles. And I think a, part, a big part of that is the fact that we're not seeing the key character all throughout it. And um, it's like if you ripped Gadsby out of the great Gadsby, it wouldn't make any sense. You know, it's like kind yeah, of the same yeah, thing is happening when we read our Old Testaments. Um, and then there's a theological answer. And the theological answer uh, comes actually out of the text that you started with this morning. Um, and that is uh, in Second Corinthians 3 and 4, it talks all about how there is this veil that Satan has put over our hearts um, so that when we come to the Bible, we cannot see the glory of God. Um, he's hiding it from us. And only uh, the only way to take away that veil is whenever we turn to Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given eyes to see him in Scripture. And that's kind of like a paraphrase of like 18 verses or so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm like, if, if th- there's a spiritual battle happening whenever we read our Bibles, um, every other book in the world can be confusing and uh, can have cultural barriers and language barriers, and it can be long. And, you know, there's lots of things that the Bible can share with other difficult books in the world. But there's one barrier that the Bible has that no other book has, and that is a spiritual barrier. Mm. And there's a spiritual fight happening. And the only way to overcome that is 
with Jesus and and like with the power of his Holy Spirit to see him in the scriptures. And what's amazing is that passage that you read specifically says that when we see that glory of Jesus in our Bibles, we are transformed into the same image that we behold. And so the only way to be actually truly transformed when we read our Bibles, I'm not talking about behavior modification or ratcheting down on bad habits. I'm talking about the only way to be truly transformed is to behold the glory of Jesus in our Bibles and therefore be changed into that which we behold. Mm. So that's the need. That's powerful. Yeah. So now that's what you're doing with Spoken Gospel. Right. You have uh, the videos that you guys are releasing mm-hmm. yep. uh, through your platform, but you also have a podcast series. Yep. So, yeah, we, we, we have something called our Engagement Funnel. We don't really call it that publicly, but, mm-hmm. you know, why not? And so the top of it is our, you know, big flashy YouTube videos and there are introductions and uh, we think they're really approachable and shareable and uh, informative. And so that's the top level. And then the second level of the engagement funnel is our like daily devotionals. So we partnered with YouVersion um, to, to release daily devotionals to help mm. you see Jesus in every chapter of scripture. And, um, and then, yeah, at the bottom of our funnel for our diehard listeners is we have a weekly hour long podcast show that, uh, me and another pastor friend of mine, we sit down and we deeply exegete a text of scripture and show how it points to Jesus. And we walk through more of the, I don't know how you want to say it, more of the rigmarole or mm. the, you know, the minutia of how to responsibly get from point A to B. Because some passages, mm-hmm. uh, as you're diving in, you, at first glance, you might go, how are we going to find uh-huh. Jesus yep. here? Um, yep. you, you guys do it. We, well, I mean, we, I think there's two things that are helpful there. One is we pray <laughs> because yeah. it's the Holy Spirit that has to show you that. It's not being super clever or inventive. That's where you get bad allegory. Mm. <laughs> so you have to have the Holy Spirit show you uh, the glory of God in any text of Scripture. And the second is... Um, we're just open to to what God has to show us. And so we start every episode with the same thing that says, this is our experiment to publicly test our belief that Jesus is in all of Scripture. And so that's what we're doing. We believe that what Jesus said on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 is true. And now we just want to see if it is. So we're like, okay, Jesus said so. Let's publicly test it. Mm. So we're going to hit the record button and trust that he's here and his glory is present in this strange passage in numbers, you know, or numbers right now. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And then in the, in the middle of all of this that you're doing a couple mm-hmm. years ago, we, we, uh, I called you up and said, Hey, let, let's work on this project yes. uh, with us, a Bible to call my own. Mm. Uh, why was that? Why, why were you interested in even considering oh doing that. Well, us. I wasn't only interested in it. I was really excited yeah. about it. I'm still really excited about it. So you guys approached me with this idea of what if we did a joint spoken word poem that was signed alongside you in a video. Right. And I was like, I've never seen that before, but I really want to. <laughs> Let's do it. And uh, I love new things and I'm a content guy. So one, I was like, that just sounds like a fun concept. But then two, um, I think it's really important um, as as I've learned more about the Bible translation world, um, I've learned how the largest unserved group in that world is are the deaf. And that um, even English, people who live in English countries and have, you know, English speaking parents, mm. you know, don't really have a Bible to call their own, <laughs> and, right. you know, and uh, until more recently. You know? That's and right. so it's just crazy. It, that, that blew my mind. And to think that even in 
America that the deaf are an unreached people group. That, I mean, I was like, we've got to do something. So if we're speaking the gospel, you know, and out of every corner of scripture, and if I'm supposed to be a carrier of that gospel as just a Christian, you know, mm. I've got to go out of my way to serve the deaf community. And you guys are continuing to do that. We are. Tell me about what you're oh, working yeah. on right now. It's so exciting. So because of that kind of pilot experiment that yeah. we got to do with you guys, we didn't even know it was going to be that, but God did. Yeah. Uh, now we're working with other deaf translators to perform the spoken word poems that are introducing each book of the Bible on camera. And then we're putting that translation in ASL over the top of the videos we've made. And so um, a deaf person can watch it and it feels native for them. Mm. So you actually get all the beautiful visuals that we film um, that help tell the visual side of the story, even for a hearing audience. But then instead of hearing my voice doing the poem, you see an ASL performer doing, mm. uh, you know, I don't know, what, what would you call it? Not spoken word poetry, signed word poetry. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know what you would call it. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, most people will be really surprised. I mean, ASL slams. Uh, yeah. These ASL poetry nights are actually a big thing. They're beautiful, and, too. And so what you're wanting to do, what you're doing yeah. uh, by not only making your content available for all the English speakers out there that can listen in and watch, but for the deaf in the U.S. So now we've got the first complete Bible in any sign language soon mm -hmm. to be fully published, and that's going to come out, and there's going to be a beautiful video series that can then walk people through and yep. show you it's sort of this gorgeous overview of each book and say, here's how it points to Jesus. That's it. And that's the, uh, that's, that's the goal. That's amazing. I mean, uh, when, when, when should people expect to be able to engage with this? Yeah. So the, uh, we've, we finished the Torah so far. So the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy in English, in English. Right. And, uh, those are out right now at spokengospel.com. We have just filmed the pilot, like the, the test version mm -hmm. of Exodus with our deaf translators. And we'll have a version of that internally this week. And then awesome. um, that'll go out for some community testing. And so we're really hoping to have a product shipped, though, by October. It, there shouldn't be a reason why we can't. So definitely by the end of the year, we should have the Torah in sign language. Very cool. Yeah. So we have a lot of listeners that are very new to uh, not, not even just deaf ministry, but the deaf world yeah. in general. But you as someone who has a very uh, niche ministry a very focused ministry in what in the spoken word word world mm -hmm. but then also in just the theological you know pointing people back to Christ in every book there is uh, as you've gone on your own journey of learning about the deaf and the needs of deaf ministry what would you say to someone who has a ministry maybe they're a pastor they're a lay minister they have children's ministry mm -hmm. whatever it is but as someone who has been on the other side like them, what is something you might encourage them with? Man, I mean, I would just say, oh man, there's so much I would want to say to them. I think most pointedly, I would just say, they these people are in your community. There are deaf people in your community. And um, when they walk in and there's not a translator, um, they can't hear the good news. I mean, you are keeping people away 
from the good news of Jesus by not speaking their language. Hmm. And there are probably translators in arm's reach of you that you can find. And they are excited to partner with people. That's what I've learned from the deaf community is they are the best people to work with. They are excited um, uh, to partner with. And so I know there are deaf people in your community who want to come alongside you. So whatever you're doing, if you're preaching God's word every Sunday and you don't have an interpreter, get one. Uh, if you are doing any other kind of um, media or something that's communicated with the spoken word, and I don't mean my kind of spoken word, I just mm -hmm. mean what we're doing right now, yeah. um, sign it like these wonderful ladies next to us are, you know? And uh, there's things we can do to service this large population of people who we have historically ignored, and uh, it's time to right that wrong. Yeah. Thanks so much, David, for your time today. Yeah, of course. David is absolutely right. It's time to right that wrong. It's a shame that so many people on earth still don't have the Bible in their own language to take into their hearts to transform their lives. But that's still the case for deaf people around the world. Deaf Bible Society and their partners are working hard to get more translation work completed. But it takes time to be sure that the translations are clear and absolutely faithful to the meaning of the original Greek and Hebrew texts. And it takes money for people and technology. So we're asking you, please, to make a generous gift to the work of Deaf Bible Society today. Go to GodSigns.com and make a contribution to this great cause. That's GodSigns.com. Please help. Make a difference. Thank you. Now, here's JR for some final thoughts. Well, I'd like to take a, a moment right quick to read something from David's, uh, one of his recent books, Rewire Your Heart. And it says this, This is what happens in the Christian life. The Christian life is a life captivated by a glorious vision. The vision is the gospel. When the human heart is allowed to behold the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, it will seek to grab hold until the vision becomes its own. What the Spirit begins by revealing the gospel to you, he will complete by continuing the same revelation. Paul stated the same truth negatively in Galatians, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The vision that brought about our salvation is the same vision that brings about our sanctification. The glorious good news of the gospel revealed the most captivating image your heart had ever seen. By this news, you were converted. There is no other motivation, no other news, no other vision that carries you through the process of pursuing this vision either. You move from seeing Christ to seeing Christ in you. You move from vision to vision. Moving from vision to vision is surely what Paul had in mind when he wrote these words. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We become what we behold. We seek what we see. How do we look more like Jesus? We behold more of Jesus. Only the vision of Jesus in the gospel will rewire our hearts. What a beautiful message. I'm so thankful for the time that we've had today with David. 
And I'd really like to encourage you as you go through your day, as you continue in prayer, to think about how God is rewiring your heart in light of the gospel. And in that process, would you remember those around the world, the millions of deaf people who don't have access to the gospel, who don't access have access to any scripture in their sign language, that they too soon may be given access so that through the gospel, because of the gospel, in light of the gospel, their hearts too can be rewired. Thank you. Thank you, JR. God certainly is in the business of rewiring hearts through his word and his spirit. Remember, this entire program is fully accessible in American Sign Language at godsigns.com. So tell your friends about it and send us an email. Ask us questions. Let us know what you think. Yes, we really do want to know. Use the same address, godsigns.com. For J.R. Bucklew and all the people at Deaf Bible Society, God bless you. May be given access so that through the gospel, because of the gospel, in light of the gospel, their hearts too can be rewired. Thank you. Thank you, J.R. God certainly is in the business of rewiring hearts through his word and his spirit. Remember, this entire program is fully accessible in American Sign Language at godsigns.com. So tell your friends about it and send us an email. Ask us questions. Let us know what you think. Yes, we really do want to know. Use the same address, godsigns.com. For J.R. Bucklew and all the people at Deaf Bible Society, God bless you.